Hello everyone. Hi Freedom Fighters in the Australian Property Chat. Uh, super excited tonight as we have uh, Luke and Raiden, our guest speakers uh, from Super, uh, super Strategist. Is that correct? That's right. You're so welcome. And uh, tonight we're going to talk about the key to retiring early. For me personally, uh, what really motivated me to um, invest in property was because when I realised that my superannuation was not going to be enough to, you know, give me financial freedom, I needed to find another pathway to be able to uh, retire, you know, feeling really, uh, how do I say it, um, you know, comfortable. I want to have a comfortable retirement. So, uh, Luke, Raiden, tell us, you know, give us some ideas. What's the key to retiring early? Well, I think, first of all, it's beginning with the end in mind. Uh, a lot of people uh, don't think about where the goalposts are sitting. Uh, they haven't really uh, thought too much about it. We're happy to just trundle off the work day in, day out. And given that super is such an important part of our lives, and we're very biased, of course. We Our, our universe is, is just the superannuation side of things. But certainly, it, it surprises some people just how much money they do have and and some of the options that can be available to them if they if they just cast their gaze beyond uh, what, what's done for them as a default setting by most of the major super funds. Yeah, fantastic. And I've got a few questions just uh, for anyone out there that's considering, um, you know, um, setting up a self-managed super fund and um, investing in property. So I guess my first question is, I mean, if you want to buy property in a self-managed super fund, like how much do you need to get started? Thanks, Charmaine. As a minimum, we're probably looking at about 150000 and anything above that, we can really start to really build that up. Oh, I think I'm going the wrong way. There we go. Build that up. <laughs> so... We can start with 150,000, and that's that's a perfect amount to invest in in your first property in, in your self-managed super fund. Once mm -hmm. we have got that first property, that's when we can really start to scale up. Fantastic! And for our listeners out there, I mean, this is your opportunity to ask the experts some questions. So please make sure you're typing your questions. Anything you want to know about self-managed super funds, investing in property, um, please uh, type your comments uh, in the chat. And uh, tell me, like, if you were to begin a self-managed super fund, how long does it take to set one up? Um, you know, how long does it take for the funds to roll over? What's the process like? Yeah, sure. The To set it up can be quite quick. There are a number of uh, different organisations that we'll have to chat to in that time, but it generally takes around two months, two months from uh, coming and having a meeting with us and, uh, and then having your, your super fund set up. Fantastic. And so once it's set up, it, does it take, is that, is that the rollover happens within the two months or does it take a little bit longer sometimes for funds to roll over? Sometimes. Sometimes it, it'll take around two to three weeks for that rollover to, to go from your old fund into your new fund, into your new self-managed super fund, I should say. After that two to three weeks, uh, we have everything ready uh, and then you're able to go out and purchase property. Fantastic. And I mean, when you're looking at um, buying property in a self-managed super fund, like are all properties available to purchase in the self-managed super fund? Is there just a selective type of property you can buy? I mean, are there any rules around buying properties in a self-managed super fund? There are, Charmaine, and I think uh, there are certainly some pros and cons. 
and that's where we'd always suggest people to to get advice, not just from us, but from yourselves as well, your team, because the last thing we would encourage people to do with uh, a prospective property purchase in a super fund is look for any logic or rhyme or reason or consistency in the legislation because it is just a minefield. Uh, every now and again, one actually pops up that uh, a, a tricky little rule or, or if I may call it a silliness uh, as to what you can and can't do. So uh, definitely just getting doing that extra check that what you're buying uh, is appropriate and going to work for you and your family over the longer term. I, I can't uh, I can't endorse that that concept enough. Fantastic. And uh, look, if you don't quite have enough um, money in your superannuation fund, um, I mean, can you combine super funds? Is it can you combine with your partner to get the one hundred and fifty thousand together? Or can you do it with people that are outside your family? Are there any rules around that? So you can have up to six members inside a self-managed super fund and you can combine your balances to then uh, go out and purchase property together. There are no rules, so to speak, in terms of who you can bring into your self-managed super fund. You can do this with people outside of your family, but uh, we usually call them self-managed super funds or, or family super funds. Yeah. That, uh, you want to bring your family in and, and build your family's wealth. Got it. So if you are thinking of perhaps doing like a JV, a joint venture with uh, a mate or a friend and you wanting to buy property together, you could potentially roll your super, superannuation into a self-managed super fund and buy as a joint venture from, from there. Is that correct? That's right, Charmaine. And I'm just going to add to that. You, you're spot on. You can certainly do all that. I'm just going to add to that something that's really uh, important to us. Uh, we've got so many clients that are families. And we often use the phrase that your kids won't do what you say, they'll do what you do. So the ability to share this knowledge that you're accumulating in your, in your investment journey with them and even better, bring them along for the ride and really get their hands dirty, get them involved in the whole process, uh, that creates that intergenerational legacy that I think we all strive to, to do. Fantastic. And just a reminder, everyone that's watching tonight, please get your questions in because this is your golden opportunity to get some uh, advice from um, Luke and Raven tonight. And, um, I mean, tell me, like, when we're talking borrowing capacity, so is there a different rules for your borrowing capacity if you're buying within a self-managed super fund versus buying perhaps in a personal name or... Would the borrowing capacity be exactly the same? Like, how does that kind of work? Fortunately, in a self-managed super fund or family super fund, there really aren't that many moving parts. So we're not financiers, we're not lenders. We uh, stick to the, the strategy side of things and would certainly recommend anyone going down this path to get that advice as early on in the process as they can, as we know they do with, with you and your system. Um, but from a self-managed super fund perspective, you've got contributions coming into the fund that will be mandated by law. Your employer has to put those in for you. That's the 10% of your wage that goes off uh, every week or every fortnight. Uh, and then in this situation with, with, a, with a property strategy, you'd have the rental income coming in as well, the prospective rental income, which uh, the financier would consider as part of how much uh, to lend you or how to lend you uh, to, to overall get that strategy off the ground for you. Fantastic. And um, uh, I mean, 
tell us, I mean, share with us, what are some of the benefits in buying in a self-managed super fund? I mean, is there any perks to that, um, especially when it comes to retirement? Yeah, very much so. In a self-managed super fund uh, with a property strategy, it uh, becomes a very uh, good tax environment. So in terms of tax, once you hit the age of 60, you can actually pull money out of your self-managed super fund tax-free. Wow, fantastic. And what if you were to sell the property? Is there any different perks there if you were to retire and decide you wanted to sell the property? or? Yep, we can sell the property tax-free um, after the age of 60 in a self-managed super fund. There's uh, an ability to um, offset some of that tax as well. So there's definitely a number of strategies that we can roll out if a client wants to go down that path. Got it. So, I mean, it, we, we know there's some benefits in having a self-managed super fund, obviously, when it comes to, to, retire, to retiring. But if you're still young and, and you're buying in a self-managed super fund, is there any limitations um, to your self-managed super fund? It's, uh, it's the limits are your own imagination. Uh, it's <laughs> That's a great answer. <laughs> what do you mean limits? There are no limits. <laughs> We've got clients pursuing uh, some, some weird and wonderful strategies and uh, I, I think for so many people it, it's empowering to know that they really do have that unlimited uh, range of options that they can they can invest their money into, whether it's, uh, you know, some people dabble with, with, with cryptocurrency, for example, it's, and we, we always say don't, uh, don't, don't put it all in there or you know, any strategy like that, but it's just the knowledge and the power that you can uh, go down this path and I think so often we're told what we can't do especially up here in sunny Queensland at the moment we're often reminded what we can't do but this is one of those times where uh, and look Charmaine we often uh, are reminded uh, we try and be as balanced as we can when we're talking about these sorts of structures they're not for everyone uh, some people uh, for example the, the ability to do whatever they can with their money. Uh, it can be, uh, the analogy I like is the pie on the windowsill. Uh, you need to be careful. You, you, you can't eat into that money earlier than, than uh, the law allows. Uh, and there are some strategies that people really need to, to, to get some help with to, so they make sure they're doing everything correctly, dotting the I's and crossing the T's. That, that, that applies to so many uh, investing strategies. And as long as it's viable, as long as, it's, as, long as we've, uh, got a clear plan as to how that's going to work. Uh, we love to support people with, with getting things going for them and their family. Fantastic. I mean, just touching upon that, if you are buying a, a property in self-managed super fund, how does the equity work? So, you know, if the property grows in equity and you want to pull some of that equity out, is it locked into the self-managed super fund or can you take it out and use it for uh, a, you know, a property in a personal name? How does that work? That is one, remember earlier, Charvet, we talked about these inconsistencies, these niggly little parts uh, of the strategy that still eat at us. At the moment, under current rules, you're not allowed to refinance to, to access that equity. You can refinance a loan, you can move uh, financiers if, if that's the right thing for you to do. But in terms of accessing that equity, that is something that we're uh, constantly uh, frustrated about it. I've been saying for probably three or four year now, years now that I, I think that part of, uh, of, of the rules will be reviewed at the very least. Uh, so that's certainly a, a, a you know, watch this space uh, part of the strategy. And that's why for so many clients, 
um, the traditional concept of uh, taking out a loan and paying it off uh, versus utilising uh, offset accounts or other investments just to keep that uh, that available money if they're looking to continue to grow their portfolio, which so many clients are, and continue to invest. Uh, they just have to keep that in the back of their mind. And that's why we're here. That's part of our job to, to establish those bigger picture goals and make sure they don't do anything to shoot themselves in the foot. Oh, fantastic. And so I guess the, the same thing goes with the, the rental income. You know, the rental income would go directly back into the self-managed super fund to really replenish those um, those funds. Would that be a fair statement? Replenish and nourish. Uh, keep well, I like nourish. nourish our money in our finances. <laughs> yeah. Look, the contributions that you've got uh, coming into the fund, uh, for so many of our clients, that uh, – the rent and the contributions they've got coming in, you know, far exceed the costs of, of, of running the, the, the strategy, the fund, the property investment. So it means they can just fast track their journey to another investment, whether that's another property or, or, or another strategy. It just means that they keep growing. Fantastic. And one of our listeners has a question. So I'm going to just uh, share that into chat here. So if you buy in a self-managed super fund, can you also set up via the self-managed super fund for your uh, total permanent disablement income and uh, protection, et cetera? And that is from Dave. Yep. Thank you very much for that question, Dave. You certainly can uh, have those insurances inside your self-managed super fund. We can hold that life or death cover, TPD and income protection. We, by having those inside that structure, you can... Free up your cash flow so you don't have to pay it out of your back pocket. And we also like to keep everything under one roof. So it makes life a little bit easier when you do have it inside that one structure. If I may, Charmaine, just add to Luke's comments there, that's such a massive uh, frustration for us when we see a client who, for no good reason, is paying thousands of dollars a year for life or TPD insurance in their own names, mm -hmm. uh, which is not tax deductible. Uh, when they could be paying for those premiums uh, in their self-managed super fund, uh, where the premiums would be tax deductible. Uh, so, so often, uh, and it's, it's uh, we don't dwell on this with, with clients because it's quite often that's been happening for, for 10 or 15 years. They've been paying thousands of dollars a year uh, in premiums uh, that could have been going into their home loan uh, when we can, with a few strokes of a pen, we can have that. Uh, policy re restructured or reviewed and paid uh, out of their super fund. Fantastic. So just a reminder, everyone, this is your opportunity to ask questions. So please keep them coming through. This is this tonight's all about you and helping you gain some more clarity. Uh, we do have uh, another question. So I'm going to show this question now. So why is it so hard to buy a property in your self-managed super fund? So hard to buy a property. Well, we set everything up for you. We have a, a turnkey solution where people can come to us and we end up working with you guys and being able to get clients into property. There can be some hurdles uh, purchasing a property inside self-managed super, especially if you were to do it on your own. If you were to do it on your own, there's not too many lenders and it can actually be quite difficult to source everything and set everything up in the correct way for you then to be able to purchase that property. Some other, look, it's not to say there aren't frustrations, but 
the last thing, uh, you know, the, look, the reason those frustrations so often occur, and it's the same with any journey, any investment, people just haven't done their research up front or got the right advice, and they find themselves uh, halfway. Uh, there's an old phrase, you can't be half pregnant. Uh, they find themselves halfway uh, down the down the road, and they're still learning as they go. It's kind of like uh, jumping out of, out of an airplane and, and stitching yourself a parachute on the way down. Uh, whereas if you've got that right advice up front, if you've spoken to the right professionals who uh, are in regular communication with each other, um, we can we can certainly support that seamless solution. There are some frustrations where you need a 25, 30% deposit for some uh, for some financiers, and that's where that hurdle compared to when compared with buying a, an investment property in our own names or a property in our own names, that is a, a larger deposit. Um, but that's where, again, knowing these things up front, being able to do all of the numbers before you before you pull the trigger really puts you in, in the box seat um, to execute the strategy rather seamlessly, especially uh, with the right people by your side. Fantastic. I mean, just on that, like I have um, I have seen sometimes that when uh, people are buying property in a self-managed super fund, and this could be more for um, a mortgage uh, manager, but sometimes the interest rate is that little bit higher uh, on the loan when you're buying a self-managed super fund versus in your personal name. Do you know much about that or can you touch upon that a little bit as to maybe the reasons why? Yeah, Christina, and the certainly the deposit is higher the security that the uh, financier will will have is limited to that property uh, so they don't have security over the the entire or the fund or the other assets of the fund um but uh, i've got a comment because this is you've, you're proving here and the questions that are coming through are just uh, really showing how important it is to have all of those professionals and there's not that many uh, but having the ability to have those open and, and, and uh, yeah, the, the open communication, that, that instant ability to just pick up the phone, uh, speak to your mortgage broker, speak to your advisor and just know, have the comfort that those people are collaborating, that they're working yeah. together. Uh, and I, I, the, old, yeah, the, the notion of having a team uh, working with you to, to knowing the outcome that you, you want and getting... Uh, and getting you over the line. Whereas if, if you had a, a particular mortgage broker who wasn't perhaps communicating with your conveyance, that, that one frustration can cost you delays and, and, and money. It's, it's, it's just so important. It's, just, it's funny how it's difficult to answer any one part of the process without stepping on the toes of another professional in the process. And that just speaks to how integral it is to have uh, those right people by your side. Yeah, I and mean, we touch upon it in our membership and having this circle of safety and, you know, having certain members in the circle of safety, they're really here to do most of the heavy lifting for you. They are our team of uh, trusted experts that are here to ensure that every step is is interconnected. And I think last time we spoke, Ray, and we talked about the difference when you have a team that are just making noise in a band versus actually playing a beautiful symphony because all those moving parts are connecting together to really help that progress to be as smooth sailing as you possibly can versus all this ruckus and loud noise and no one really communicating um, and talking. Couldn't have said it better. No, mate, it's, it's the, it makes all the difference. And we have another question here. Um, we've got the minimum 150000 How is that related to percentage of the gearing for the loan? That's a great question. Thank you very much, Chris. That is a fabulous question. 
just as a very general rule, Charmaine, we're such well, I'm a very boring person. Luke's, Luke lives a far more adventurous and exciting life than I do. But uh, if you were to say, uh, as just a rule of thumb, a $350,000 to $400,000 property working on a 25% deposit, you start to see how those numbers play out. So on, on a $400,000 property, a 25% deposit would be hundred grand uh, plus some costs you're going to have depending on the state. You're going to have uh, different rates of stamp duty, transfer duty, some legal fees, some conveyancing costs. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we love, this is such a, uh, a critical axiom for us, we just have to see clients retaining that cash buffer. Uh, anything over 20K is, is, is ideal. Uh, and, and it's just for no other reason than the unexpected. Uh, if we can, yeah. There's that one-off bill that you weren't uh, forecasting. They're always the ones that hurt the most. Fantastic. And we've got a, another question. I, I love the name here. Uh, we've got Space Monkey 688 So the uh, question is, what about transferring an existing investment property into uh, this fund? You know, can it be done? There would be some frictional costs. It can be done, but it would be more costly uh, than to pursue something separate. Got we would want to look at that scenario and figure out what our options were, but it would be quite difficult. Yeah. As a general rule, um, residential investment property, so an investment property someone owns, it's purely residential uh, in nature, uh, very difficult to, uh, if not impossible, uh, to, to move that into super fund, certainly commercial properties, anything connected to a business. That's one that we'd, we'd want to have a chat about to not only make it, because there's the question, isn't there, Charmaine, inherent in every question, can I do it versus should I do it? Yeah, it's a great way of uh, thinking about the scenario. So really weighing up those pros and cons as to uh, whether you think you should or whether it's really going to be beneficial and, and so forth. Great. So we have uh, another question here. So um, if you or if someone already has a self-managed super fund, uh, can they buy a property with your help uh, through this, or do I need to open another self-managed super fund? Uh, I think Russell, Russell, you're one of our members, is that right? If you could just type in the chat um, if you're one of our members. And we've got um, why do super funds hold your super money hostage and make it difficult to roll over into a self-managed super fund? <laughs> They don't want to share the money. <laughs> yeah, no, no, there's we, we, uh, everyone has their own sort of reasoning as to why this one might be, but uh, it's how the big super funds make their money. They uh, like to have a large pool of money that they can then invest, and then that's how they make their money. So when it comes time to rolling over that money into your self-managed super fund, they like to hang on to it for a little bit longer. Mm. Fantastic. And another question from Dave. Uh, Dave would like to know what are the approximate self-managed super fund setup costs, including ongoing costs per year, etc. Yeah, great question, Dave. Uh, there's a couple of ways to look at this, uh, and I'll give you the, the numbers in a second. Uh, but uh, for so many people, they uh, they've become accustomed with super funds to uh, having a percentage-based fee. So they're used to having two or three percent of their fund uh, paid out as a fee, and whatever you do, and if there's some existing clients uh, watching along, they'll they'll know about this story. 
never look at the front page of your statement to uh, get any sort of an idea as to what fees you're actually paying. Uh, in fact, go to the very back and work your way forward because normally towards the back of the statement is a, a truer indication of what sort of fees you're paying. And remember that so much of the fees that you pay are debited or deducted from your account uh, before the performance of the fund is declared. So you don't get an invoice, you, you don't get a, an itemised bill uh, that you then authorise for payment from these other super funds. They just take it all off the top. Um, so it's quite normal to see fees of 2 to 3%. So if we go back, uh, that's in the existing super funds, in a normal retail or, or industry super fund, that's a very average fee. Um, so seeing fees of two to three percent. So on, on a uh, for, for a normal say, I'll just work on a two hundred thousand dollar fund, of course, uh, or, or money a pool of money in super. Whether that's husband and wife with a hundred thousand dollars each, as an example, if that was a two hundred thousand dollar pool of money on two percent, that's four thousand dollars a year. On three percent, that's six thousand dollars a year that folks find they're already paying, whether they realise it or not. That's the money that's coming out. And oftentimes, uh, there's a tax component that's being uh, taken out of their account as well. Uh, oftentimes, people, people don't realise that's going on. So really important to know what you're coming from and, and moving into uh, because those fees going out, it, 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 it's for a lot of people, it's shocking when they realise just how much uh, is coming out of their accounts. And of course, because the fees are percentage-based, as yeah. your balance continues to grow, so do the fees. You uh, don't notice, do you? It's like that full transparency. It's not like an actual figure. This is how much you know it's costing you per year. And you see that tiny little percentage, and you're like, oh, that's not too bad. <laughs> absolutely spot on, Shamay. So that's where in, in the new structure, uh, we have a solution. Uh, everything's paid for uh, by the super fund. By the way, there's nothing out of pocket, but... It works out at a couple of grand to set everything up, to get everything off the ground and ready to go, to get you to the point where you're ready to start shopping. Uh, we say shopping uh, for, for – that's the fun part. Our, our stuff's uh, just the paperwork and pretty boring. We can't deny the fact that the, the investment stuff's the fun stuff. But uh, from there, uh, you're looking at around about three and a half grand a year uh, after tax to, to run the fund. And, again, that's where on, on a $150,000 fund, for example, that's you know, under 2%. Uh, oh, pardon me, a bit over 2%. I'm thinking the $200,000 fund. Uh, but that's, well, our fees are flat, so <laughs> that's why we don't talk in percentages too much. But um, that's why I think earlier there's a great question about um, you know, a startup balance or, or how much to make the fund um, viable. That's where a, a key consideration is. We, we want to make sure that uh, the wealth that we're creating is not being offset by, by fees and costs. We want to make sure you're growing your super faster than you ever would have in your old fund. We're, we're here to make more money for, for Australian families and we just want to run a really effective solution so that they can access these strategies that for so long have just been out of reach. Yeah, fantastic. We've got a, another a question here from Mark. Um, if I buy just one property in a stuff super fund, is there any ongoing input or maintenance from myself for the self-made super fund, not the property itself? Great question. Great question. A few documents that we'll have to get you to chase up uh, there, Mark, but um, for the ongoing uh, running of the Superfund, that's our job. So that's where we come in. And I was saying before, we have that turnkey solution where there'll be a few things that we'll need you to chase, but for the most of it, that, that's all on us. 
Fantastic. And I think we've got another question here. Um, what's the rough cost to add a member to an existing fund? So I'm assuming if someone's already got a self-managed super fund set up and they're wanting to add another member, I'm, I'm assuming that's what uh, this question is referring to. Charmaine, again, another great question. And this is... Uh, keep rolling, rolling, rolling. Yeah. <laughs> Keeping you guys busy. Yeah. Shabay, this is where it's very easy for us to answer that. We don't charge to add or remove members, trustees, whether you're in accumulation phase or pension phase, whether you've got $200,000 or $200 million, uh, it's a flat fee. So it just becomes more viable. The more money, the more members are in the fund. Uh, you can quickly see how the fee becomes infinitely more competitive than uh, the, uh, you know, a lot of retail, well, the vast majority of, of retail and industry super funds because it's a flat fee. Um, so that's a, that's a very easy one. Any variations any you know, to the fund, anything that needs to be done, uh, we, we, we'd love to support that and, and there's certainly no cost to do that. Uh, look, I can't speak for other providers. I should, I should put a, uh, I should keep it very general and say I'm sure other providers will be happy to charge you whatever you're willing to pay, but uh, certainly with yeah. our solution, uh, there's no cost for that. Fantastic. I mean, I've got a quick question and, and we touched upon it before with, you know, when you do have a superannuation fund, you know, a certain amount of um, money is being invested into different, you know, various things. And I know that um, my question may differ depending on where that the superannuation is invested in. But what are we looking at returns, you know, versus having an investment property and working with your, um, your, your a superannuation for an investment property versus having your money in other little investments in a normal super fund, is there much of a difference in the kind of returns that you can get or is there any area that's a little bit safer than the other? Charmaine, this is where the short-term benefits or the medium-term benefits become apparent, uh, especially when you contemplate uh, how gearing can work in your favour to to grow your wealth much faster. As your members will know, um, it, it can be a tremendous way to grow your wealth much faster. Of course, for for those people who the poor people uh, uh, out there who've, who've bought properties in mining areas or, or just bad investments in the past, they've been burnt by gearing too. But when you're getting the right advice, when everything's been being done the way it should, ought to be done, the way it must be done, needs to be done. Uh, and you've got blue chip assets that are just as boring as I am, just doing their thing. You don't need to worry about them. Um, and you've got that long-term approach. You've got some cash in the bank just in case, you know, something does pop up. Um, you can see how the long-term growth uh, in a property that's got some borrowings working for it, perhaps up front, uh, are going to you know, far outperform uh, the returns you'll get in any other um, uh, industry or retail super fund. But Charmaine, I, I probably uh, was a bit quick to answer your first question because what you've just said then or, or the question that you've asked um, really speaks to what we're most passionate about and that is that the outcome that we strive for with all clients is to create this regular, reliable, passive rental income stream um, so that when you do flip the switch and, and, and retire, when it's no longer man or woman at work, it's money at work, they've got these boring investments, ticking away, week in, week out, month in, month out, paying a rental income stream um, so that most importantly, 
they can retain the assets that comprise their portfolio and live off the rent. Where does where do people go wrong? This is probably uh, yeah, this is probably something we should we should talk about more in another time perhaps. Where do people go wrong? Because how mm-hmm. often in the workforce that we see someone who retired seemingly recently, you know, three to five years ago, uh, had the big party uh, and uh, they're back at work. Whether it's because of uh, uh, look, I pick on COVID. The, the better example would be uh, the GFC, where markets fell. Uh, Drop I mean, stock Australian stock market dropped by more than half over an eighteen month period, and took over a decade to get back to its previous peaks. And and that's where if you had retired, um, you know, slightly before or slightly after uh, that downturn, you've just had five to ten years of your life savings wiped out. Uh, so any retirement plans you had have just been have been completely brought undone. And that's where it's, it's not saying that the property market will forever be immune to downturns, but it's saying that even if there was a downturn in the value of properties, uh, you're still going to get the rent. And this is mm-hmm. the part that so many people, um, when, when the penny drops, that no matter what happens to their portfolio over the next 20, 30, 40 years, they're still going to have this passive rental income coming in. And that's what's going to fund their lifestyle. It means that they don't have to kill the goose that lays the golden eggs. Whereas if you're in a normal fund and in a normal balanced type of investment where you know perhaps 60 to 70% of your money is in shares or listed securities that have fallen um, yeah. like 40, 50%, and you have to sell those assets to fund your monthly uh, pension payments, um, you, you're going to hurt. And that's, that's ultimately, uh, if we could preach one message to the masses, uh, that would be it. Fantastic. And just out of curiosity, what is the retirement age these days? Is it still 65? It used to be 55, then it changed to 65. I mean, can you get your super, can you retire a little bit earlier or are you kind of stuck at a certain age and that's the only age that you can uh, retire at? How does that all work? Look, you can access your super from about age 60. So it can be done from age 60. However, I think, unfortunately, for the majority of Australians, uh, 67 now the age they can access the age pension. So, again, for those clients of ours that are in their 30s, 40s or 50s, our, our, our big push is to make it such that uh, when they hit 67, it's it's not a big deal because that concept of an age pension is the last thought that crosses their mind uh, because we want them to be privately funded and not waiting out in line to get their hand out. I've got another question out of curiosity, and this is something I was just, just popped into my brain. If you're buying a property in a self-managed super fund, and let's say um, that there's repairs or something that needs to be done on the property, does the repairs for the property come out of your self-managed super fund, or does it come out of your personal name? How does how does that work? Yeah, everything that's uh, associated with your self-managed super fund can be paid for paid for by your self-managed super fund. So Great. nothing ever actually comes out of your back pocket, which is fantastic. It, it essentially looks after itself. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. And I've got another question here from Chris. This is a, a good one. Uh, if you have two members at different retiring ages and one retired and you sell the property, how is that divided and is there a tax involved to the non-retiring members' components? Mm. A great question, and we'd be happy to uh, to break that down for the client with a particular set of numbers because uh, there's a few ways that could go. And um, I, I'm going to to answer that question, Charmaine. If I may, I'm going to speak to probably the greatest 
uh, myth uh, and that is that everyone seems to think that the second you turn 60, superannuation by default will become tax-free. And it can, but that is not necessarily the case. And we, again, too often see folks who, with just a small rigid or, or a few strokes of the pen, could have made the entire strategy tax-free but didn't. So there are ways we, we could manage that strategy. There are things we could do. Uh, without the numbers, it's, it's difficult to comment. But, of course. Uh, yeah, we'd, yeah, that'd certainly be something we'd be happy to help with. So real, realistically, like if you know you've got two in the self-managed super fund that are going to be retiring at different ages, this is why it's really important to actually have a strategy and have a plan so that you're really clear on what that's going to look like when the, the first person is retiring that little bit early. Yeah, I think too often in life people feel as though they have to make the decisions and then they will just check those decisions with a few other people or other professionals or worse still, you know, the, the mates at the pub, for example. And that's where when you've got the right team around you who have known what your goals are, next year, in five years, ten years, and can just help and, and chip in every step of the way and, and keep you updated with, with bits and pieces because, um, unfortunately, superannuation law just – and look look at how much we've spoken about tonight in just under 40 years. I know. We've tried to kind of cram a whole strategy session into, like, a very condensed, you know, 40-minute uh, live, but I really appreciate you've done so well in, in being able to answer um, in as much depth as you can with some of these uh, amazing questions that's come through tonight. I appreciate it, Charmaine, and what alarms me when I contemplate that is how much of what we've spoken about tonight is completely different than what we would have spoken about five or ten years ago. The numbers, as you've said, the retirement age, uh, finance rules and, and regs, super law and regs, retirement age, it, it's all, I don't want to say it's constantly changing. It, mm. It's just the goalposts just get moved. Um, they shift every now and then and it's important they, that you're shifting with those goalposts because what you think is going to happen based on you know where you were you know five or ten years ago may be very different based on what's happening currently um, and, and so forth. So, yeah, it's really important to have those experts to who knows the changes and can keep ensuring that you're still working towards um, you know, your end game, your bigger picture, your goals. So well said, and we often uh, use the phrase, we can't control the wind, but we can adjust the sails. And that's I really, like that. It's fantastic. We just have uh, so much fun keeping up with uh, all the changes that, are constantly uh, put in front of us. But that's our job, Charmaine. That's why we're here. Yeah, fantastic. Well, we're always um, come to the end. So if there's any last questions, uh, we've got a couple more minutes to get those questions in because uh, after our session tonight, um, Raiden and Luke are going to be joining us in our uh, private group, the Black Belt Investors, for our members only and having our members do a bit of Q&A. So that's going to be really exciting. So if you have any questions, uh, please type in the chat. Um, look, if you're out there and you're considering, um, you know, buying or a property in your self-managed super fund or you want to know more about um, whether you have enough money in your self-managed super fund, if you just type in uh, the chat, hashtag wealth call, and one of our team members will reach out to you, have a little chat about your current situation and just see if there's anything um, that we can assist you with um, 
uh, moving forward. Uh, Space Monkey, I like Space Monkey. I just love the name. Very informative. Thank you. Fantastic. It has been very, very informative tonight. And while we're waiting for just some of those last questions, I mean, is there anything that either of you just feel to add about um, the key to retiring early? Any kind of wisdoms or um, anything that you feel would be really beneficial for our members and for anyone that's listening? Yeah. In the uh, wise words of uh, from Warren Buffett, uh, the best uh, time to plant a tree was 20 years ago and the second best time to plant a tree is today. Love it. You no put, time like the present. That's 100% right. Shalad, uh, we've already said this and I, I don't mean to sound uh, repetitive, but um, for those clients uh, contemplating retirement, uh, I think it's so easy to, to chase your tail and pursue last year's winner, whether it's Australian shares, international shares, uh, fixed interest, you know, term deposits, whatever you know, last year's uh, best performing investment option in, in your old super fund is. I mean, that that's one way to try and go about things. And it creates this very short-term view of, of what your money did last year and what you want it to do next year. And we just come back to this point. Uh, it, 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 is, it is so comforting and empowering when people dwell on the passive income they could draw from their fund. If you didn't sell one thing ever again in your super fund, what is the income, whether it's dividends, whether it's interest, whether it's rent, it doesn't matter. What would that income be? Is it regular? Is it reliable? Is it inflation protected? If you've got that and that income is more than you need to live on, you are financially free. Uh, and mm. There might be an asterisk there that you've got to be able to access your super legally to do it. But, but that's uh, once you've got that coming in, it's, it's, it's a beautiful moment and that's all where – that's our obsession, um, creating that income so that people don't have to sell down little bits of their super fund month in, month out to fund their retirement because that, that is, that's the promised land. So, Charlene, by the way, Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for, for your support. It's been lovely dealing with you and your team and your, and your clients this last year. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. So thank you for letting us come on that journey with you. Fantastic. Well, it looks like we've got no further questions, so I think we'll wrap up now because uh, we need to get ready for our private group. So, you know, on behalf of Positive Property, thank you both for um, tonight and sharing some really amazing uh, words of wisdom and giving our listeners um, a little bit more of an insight on um, self-managed super funds and uh, how it all works. So without further ado, Merry Christmas to both of you and again a pleasure. Uh, Rain, this is our second time we've um, had a live together talking uh, self-managed super funds and it's great to have uh, you along, Luke, as well. So for all listeners, have an amazing night um, and uh, I'll see you guys in our next private group. Merry Christmas. Good night. Merry Christmas. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening. I'm grateful for all our listeners around the world. If you found this podcast valuable, please share with someone that might find this useful and please join our tribe of purpose-driven investors, increasing income and impact in our Facebook group, Positive Property. Please note, we have a multi-million dollar property portfolio and a passive income. I've become incredibly successful at investing in property. The fact of it is, however, many people may find investing in property challenging. It's not easy. It takes a lot of hard work. However, becoming educated, 
to make an informed decision and having the right advisors gives you the tools you need to succeed. The most important part of this formula, however, is to actually take action and apply that knowledge. It is important to understand the information I share is of a general nature only and is not taking into account your unique circumstances. If you're considering investing in any asset class, you need to seek the advice of an independent professional advisor who will be able to look at your specific situation. Be sure your advisor has actually achieved the kind of results you're seeking. Many won't have, so beware. We've taken great care putting those educational resources together. We'd be surprised if you didn't find any errors or omissions. If you do, our legal team says we have to say we're not responsible for those. In fact, as with all things, even your success, we're not responsible. That responsibility always has and always will come down to you and the actions you take. We're passionate about supporting you in that process and helping you increase your ability to create wealth, live the life you desire, and provide all the things you dream of for you and your family.